What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This Haberman Middlecoff segment is brought to you by Ease and EaseWellness.com, promo code HAM, and Manscaped.com, promo code HAM, and BoxOfAwesome.com, promo code HAM, and SeatGeek.com, promo code HAM. Now to the segment. Safe to say, there's going to be a lot of people watching Sunday Night Football. You see the PR guy at ESPN... I think we already knew this. It was the highest-rated Monday night game of the year. Uh, I got a wow. text. I got a text. Monday night football, couple, which up until the Niners played on it, had been losing to Thursday night football. You're getting beat every single week by uh, Troy, Joe, and whatever game they were calling. And then, who did the Niners go up against that week? Oh, the Raiders. Uh, and then last week, the Niners did a pretty massive, massive number. It's like, people always... I, 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 I'm not even going to go down the rabbit hole, but... You know, just a lot of people watch this team. It's just someone actually tweeted earlier this game or earlier this week to like one of Sports Business Journal's guys, you know, where he thought a couple of these games could rank. Because the matchups for TV wise are Cowboys Patriots is the CBS afternoon game of the week, and then Niners Packers. The highest rated regular season NFL game in the last, maybe I forwarded you this tweet in the last. What would it be? 30 years. Do you know what it was? Hmm. Niners, Giants, 1990. 40-plus million wow. people watched. Remember we were talking, yeah. like, how different television was. It's hard to make it relative. Like, if you get 25 million people to watch your product in 2019, it's more impressive than if 25 million people would have watched in 1990. Because that number, if you're getting that many people, you're, that number's probably going to be higher. Like, that, I mean, it... It was the peak of Bill Walsh in Montana. Parcells and LT. It does make sense when you look back. Like, it's New York, 49ers, kind of in the peak of their dynasties. Uh, but that's 40-plus million people. Highest-rated regular season game ever. The, the Niners yeah, these are just involved just... in a lot of these games. People always like, yeah. what? You guys spend so much time on the Niners? I was like, yeah, just a lot of fucking people watch. I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's like. Do a lot of people say that to you? No, no, not really. Just on Twitter. Or do you just again. have your defense ready in case somebody says? Yeah, it just too. it just ha- it just happens on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, most people understand because uh, they're watching the Niners. 
you know, so we talked a lot about the specifically some of the player matchups. You wrote about it for people that haven't seen it in the athletic, the matchup with the Packers. Um, Kittle back at practice, among others. And I was I was just curious. I look back at and the Raiders were a part of this, but I just pulled out the games that the Packers have played a handful of the best tight ends in the NFL so far this year. And I and I pulled the games and but just went to look at how the tight ends played in those games. So they played I pulled the Packers, the Eagles, the Raiders, right? The Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Panthers. Some of the best think, tight ends. I think in the Waller, had a, those teams. Waller had a big game in that game, didn't he? He did. So of those six games, three times the tight end was the leading receiver for the team that the Packers played. Um, Ertz was the leading receiver for the Eagles. He had seven for 65, eight targets. Not amazing. Waller, like you said, it was awesome. Seven for 126. He had one huge touchdown. He had scored two touchdowns in the game. Kelsey was four for 63, but he had a touchdown. Hunter Henry led the Chargers. He had seven catches for 84 yards. In, in fairness Greg to Kelsey, not defending Kelsey or anything. He doesn't need it. He was playing with Matt Moore, not Mahomes. Right, in that game. For what yeah, it's and worth. He, and by the way, he's got Tyreek Hill on the team. But no, that's worth that's yeah. worth worth saying. Um and the Panthers, Greg Olson was eight for ninety-eight. Now he took the week off from Fox uh, to play in the game. No, he also did the post-game <laughs> interview of himself. Gotcha. Uh, Kittle has had some really good games. Obviously, he has not had a multi-catch, uh, double-digit catch game since Week One against Tampa Bay. So I know he's a little banged up. Kyle was asked, "Is it the ankle or the knee that's given him more issues?" Did you see? And Kyle said, "Yes." Um. But I, I, I think this sets up for Kittle to have a, a big game on Sunday Night Football, and and part of it, John, I do think part of this with him, as you know, he is kind of just a WWE bright lights prime time guy. Yeah, I think he is. He's like, uh, to me, he feels like he's going to have a McAfee type post game post playing career. But obviously, he's going to play a lot longer. But he's got just some special qualities to him. But for all the BS, and there's, I mean, there's really no BS, but just, you know, just Kittle, the people's tight end. It's got a little Gronk-ish feel, even though it's different. He, you're right. I mean, that lights come on. He is out for fucking blood. I, I, I wrote this. I'm not a game planner. I'm just a evaluator of players, and I understand matchups. To me, he's the guy that you got to throw to. Like, who's covering him on their team? You know what's crazy about the Packers is their weak link is Blake Martinez, Stanford linebacker, who's second in the league in tackles. That's like that's a weak link, and I everyone's like he's just a stiff. Like yeah, he's quote unquote he's not terrible. Like I mean I I've seen some weak links, you know, and that's if that's your weak link, you're okay. I mean the Raiders and Niners the last like five years have had some quote unquote weak links. Like he's right. not terrible. Now he's not going to cover Kittle. Could can their other safeties? Uh, Savage, the kid they drafted, I, I, that's a question mark. But, like, to me, because the wide receiver situation, you got Debo's banged up, Emmanuel Sanders is banged up, their corners are really good. Like, is is they're going to try to run it on these guys, but what if you can't run it? Because we've seen, and Kyle asked, Kyle was asked today, I was watching some of the press conference, you know, the first, like, seven, eight weeks of the season, they were easily leading the league in rushing. In the last couple of weeks, they've obviously thrown the ball a lot more. 
And he's like, you know, you don't really set out when the season starts that we're going to lead the league in rushing or we're going to throw it. You just kind of goes game by game. He's like, I rush it when it works. <laughs> you know, you just stick with the rush. If I'm if we're gashing you through the air, like for example, they've done through with Arizona two of the last three weeks. Like Jimmy's had just big games, right? He had four touchdowns last week. I don't remember how many touchdowns he threw on that Thursday night game, but it was his best game as a Niner. It was like three or four, right? He's killed them. You just you do what works. So to me, you go in. That's what's great about football. Did you see Belichick quoted Eisenhower this week? Because he asks all these questions. He's like, yeah, you just prepare for everything. And then once you get into battle, you just hopefully your pressure preparation has put you in position to make adjustments on the fly. Like, you don't know how the battle's going to go. You just tell all the troops and the battleships and the planes and the helicopters to show up. Then they may have a certain thing that maybe you can't use helicopters because they got RPGs. So you got to take the ground troops. You know, that's, that's the crazy thing about a football game is that I'd say, yeah, I think Kittle is going to have a massive game. What if Mike Pettin has installed some crazy defense just because I, I know this, if I was playing George Kittle and the 49ers, or if I was playing the 49ers and Kittle's coming back, which did you see some of those videos people were tweeting today? He was, looked like he was moving around pretty well. And he said after, the, after practice, like in the locker room, you know, he was kind of playing PC football player. Like, it's up to the coaches. He's playing. I, I would have two guys follow him wherever he goes. Like, okay, Kendrick Bourne, if, we're gonna, if you're going to beat us on Sunday Night Football in front of 30 million people, we'll tip our hat to you. Okay, you're going to play Pettis or Marquise Goodwin? Because you're going to have to play one of them if, if Emmanuel Sanders – let one of those guys beat us. 85, no fucking way. And we pay all this money to these linebackers to make tackles in the run game. But in the past game, 85 is not beating us. If we got two guys chasing them, we'll do it. I, I don't understand. I was talking with a buddy two days ago. So the thing that's crazy about Waller and Kittle is they consistently get wide open for the Niners and Raiders. Like these guys have established yeah. themselves. They're the two of the best tight ends in the league on teams that don't exactly have like Tyreek Hill and Julio Jones around. How, how are you not following them everywhere? I get a blown coverage here and there, like the Hopkins touchdown on the first play or on his first touchdown tonight where the guy just kind of stopped and I, that happens. But it with Kittle especially, like he's consistently pretty wide open. Now, remember he told us a lot of it's Kyle, you know, telling him like, yeah, listen, I, you run here, and a lot maybe of that's it, it. I do remember when he told us that on this podcast, John. George, George Kittle, Kittle. When he was yeah. on the podcast. Um, Don't you think part of it, though, is both those guys are also physical freaks. So it's Kyle who can scheme them. They're also physically just difficult to run with, to, to strong arm. And then both those teams run the football really well. Yeah. So especially with George, who's used as a blocker so much, that you just have to make decisions maybe uh, where you think there is a run coming and it's not a run coming. It's just something to get you to bite so George can get a step past you. Well, didn't didn't we say this uh, for like seven years about Gronk? Like, how is Gronk open? <laughs> it's like, well, like you said, one, he's a dominant blocker. So they do play action. You're, you're key in on the block. And two, he's six foot five, two hundred sixty pounds, and he's faster than the guy you have covering him. So yeah, he's just be- like, how does James Harden score fifty again? I don't know. He can't be stopped. <laughs> you know, sometimes their players are just better than your players, right? Yeah. You know? And two have two guys follow him. Okay, well, but still, even that can be two guys run with one guy is not easy for the two guys necessarily. Yeah, because one not of them natural. does the wrong thing, and now it's just one on one again. Or they run into each other. <laughs> 
Yeah. Somebody's teaser said they're done. But isn't that always a go to? Like, double team them. That's, I, mean, I, I worked in the I was Everyone always yeah, throws that out. Brackets. Yeah. Bracket. What if Belichick does it? That's another thing that always gets thrown out. Well, Bill would take yeah. him away. <laughs> that's, that's always a go to. It, it's, it's just double team them or like Belichick would take him away. Those are the two, whether you work in the NFL, whether you, you're sitting on the couch with seven buddies, whether you're tweeting by yourself, everyone always says the same shit. It doesn't matter if you're in a front office, fucking next to Andy Reid, whether you're with Billy at the bar, Every the same quotes are said everywhere you go with football. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the beauty of like, you know, what would Jesus do? Well, there's a book. If you want to know what Jesus would do, there's a book. It's got the instructions. What would Bill do? There isn't a book with the instructions. The Bill does stuff he's never put on film before, just like in the Super Bowl against the Rams. Well, what would Bill do? I don't know. I'm not Bill. Well, were you? Uh, I like went to grab something. I came back, and one of the commercials for the top 100 players was on. You know that mm-hmm. he did without yeah. they shot this summer, mm-hmm. and it's Jim Brown's in there. I guess they're doing to do the running backs, top 20 running backs. Maybe they do top 20 guys at every position. Maybe that's the way they did it. Uh, however they did it, I'm going to watch. And then they come back to break, and Aikman's like, yeah, it's going to be pretty fascinating. Everyone's going to be pretty locked in to hear what Bill says on all these players whenever they start running this. And you realize you really don't get to hear Bill like go in depth and just say shit. It's a unique viewing experience. You know, he's going to say shit like, that's uh, going to go viral about players that's going to be like, damn, Bill thinks that? Uh, Barry Sanders, he's a good player. Well, he said Jim Brown was sitting right next to him. He asked him if he could Dan use Reno, him like, next week. <laughs> I, see, I think Bill like, <laughs> like, light, lightens up a little in that situation. Yeah, yeah. I hope. I mean, he is a great kind of football historian. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's the only I, guy I did feels hear, like could give us, he could give a strengths and weaknesses on every player since like 1970. Every single player. I did player, hear right? one of the – one of the things that uh, uh, PJ Fleck does is he, I guess he's like a history buff or like a social studies teacher. I think, oh, I know what it is. I guess PJ says when people say like, what would you do if you weren't coaching football? He says, I'd be a sixth grade social studies teacher. Yeah. So I've heard one thing he does is, uh, is he connects like the game plan every week to like some historical figure or some historical moment like Abe Abe Lincoln had to give a speech and you know and he'll start going on and on and on and on. he's in Philadelphia it's pouring rain you know and somehow he relates it to whatever their the narrative is in the building for the game that week on like Sunday when he introduces the new opponent to the team yeah when he does it with the team yeah like on the you know the projector overhead projector if he's still using that but that's pretty good. All coaches love that stuff. And the, but to your point, there's because there's a, there's there's a lot to it in terms of I think just the in-game adjustments. Now Kyle just wants to I don't think Kyle's Kyle just wants to coach football and scheme you up that way. He doesn't need to give it a bigger narrative, but Well, you, there used to be it. when I worked in Philly, there was like uh like the team media guide or whatever. For all the executives and coaches, they'd ask a couple questions favorite restaurant what's your dog's name what's your favorite hobby and if you weren't in football what would you be trying to do and right. most coaches would be well i'd be trying to get into football you know it's a classic coach it's a classic football guy answer well i'd do whatever i have to do to coach football 
like I remember they had Mike Zimmer on some like football life. They'd be like, what would you do if you weren't coaching football? And he thought for a second, he'd be like, I'd be working to try to get into football. Like that's all these guys know. And that's 100% Kyle. Like, Kyle, what are your other options? He'd tell you, I don't have any other options. Like, I, there's nothing. This is it. Like, I am. And this is my first thought. And it's much. Like, Kyle, if the NFL didn't work out, he could work in college. He could go fucking coach high school. Like, he could, do, he could coach at all levels. He'd, he's got a job now at minimum for the next 30 years calling offensive plays, he said. But I remember when I first left the NFL, I'm like, what are my options? Like, I can talk about defensive linemen. I like other sports too. Like, what, what what do I do well? Like, what would you put on a resume? Like, what industry am I going to? Then you realize kind of all your Luckily, chips are Luckily, every the, interview you do. Yeah, your chips are in the middle of the table. You know, you just, you're just like, this, I'm but it. But I was going to say, luckily, every every interview you do, the person you're talking to nine times out of ten is just happy to talk football. You might just get the job. 100%. And that's, you know, like you told me, <laughs> like, if you're going to get pigeonholed to anything, get pigeonholed to a sport where you got 20 million people watching every game, right? Yeah. Yep, and uh, I, know, I always you'd be like, I don't want to get, I want to talk hoop, I want to break down hoops, I don't want to be pigeonholed. Like, who cares? Be the hoop. I want to talk baseball. I want them to respect me when I talk about the the lefty righty matchup. Like that used no, to bother me. I, well, I get kicked off. Like, why? And I, as someone who loves fucking, the lefty righty matchup discussion, yeah, you realize it doesn't matter. But it used to like they're letting Ann Kelly and talking about Bumgarner. I've been watching this goddamn team longer than her. And you realize, fuck, who gives a shit? You know, especially when you realize, I actually like doing those shows, but I, I always just wanted a little respect. I'm not saying they're not fun, yeah, and they're not interesting. I'm just saying you can just do football, and that's good enough. That's it's doing everything else together. But I like the other, I mean, and you like the other stuff too. Anyway, well, I, I think when you're about? around football guys, like, like Kyle, you just like, I can't be like that because they just it's all-consuming. Like, from the moment they roll out of bed at, like, 5.30, it's thinking about, like, what do I have to do to get Dante Pettis to be a little bit better this week so I can even think about playing him on a second down pass play that I thought of last night at 3 in the morning. It's like, that's the way these guys fucking think. And then this week, I'm telling you, this week, it's pretty crazy. The What was that book, like, Three Degrees from Kevin Bacon or something? Remember how, like, all of Hollywood uh, yeah, was connected uh, or everyone? Something degrees, like that. Six degrees? That, six this, degrees? Five degrees? This coaching seven, matchup this weekend, guy, Matt LaFleur was hired with the Houston Texans because they needed an offensive quality control guy. And listen to Kyle talk. He's like, yeah, Kubiak didn't want to spend much time looking for the guy, so we just we asked Robert Sala, who was the defensive quality control guy, if he knew anybody. And the guy he knew was Matt LaFleur, who he worked with at Central Michigan, who where Joe Staley was. He's like, yeah, we interviewed a couple other guys. LaFleur got the job. Then LaFleur became Kyle's buddy. And then Kyle took him to Washington and also met his brother, who's also on the Niner staff. Robert Sala then left. And then they got reconnected. Then Matt LaFleur gets the Packer job. I mean, Mike Pettin, when Kyle was out of a job in Washington, hired him to be his offensive coordinator. That That's what's – clearly there's a lot of high-level coaches in this game, just in terms of, like, if Kyle respects you, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt you're a pretty high-level guy. So, LaFleur, his family, clearly. I mean, Kyle brought his brother on his staff. Robert Sala's proven to be pretty high level. I always thought Mike Pettin, because when I was with the Eagles, we used to play the Jets, and Rex Ryan, back when he had the number one defense in the league, his defensive coordinator was Mike Pettin. I've always thought he kind of got a bad rap with the way things happened in Cleveland. Remember, you and I defended him when he was like, played Tom Sula, and then he beat Tom Sula, and he's like, 
People are acting like our building's on fire. Damn, look at them. Remember that quote? It, it was, I, you know what's funny about that? Is I went looking for that quote like three weeks ago. I went trying to find it. I couldn't find it. Like the video of it. Because I remember I, I, watching it and just yeah, cracking like, up. Yeah, he basically like, you guys think we're fucked up. Check out the Niners. I, I'd never heard a coach say anything like <laughs> no, that. No, and it was, and he, he, honestly, he was right. But clearly he's, he you know, right. pr- pretty impressive individual. And... You know, one thing that's fascinating just about coaching, sometimes, like, Kyle, everyone in the league would say Kyle's better than Matt LaFleur, even though we don't have that much information on Matt. But Kyle, you feel his presence every game, like running the crazy plays. But his first two years, he got his ass kicked. Now, he makes way more money than Matt, I would imagine. Matt probably makes like 4 or $5 million. Kyle makes like seven and a half. But Matt's going to be one year into the league. He's going to the playoffs. I mean, he wins this week. And has a solid finish. Who's to say the Packers couldn't be the one seed? Like, sometimes, yeah, he didn't make as much your first opportunity. But his first opportunity was Aaron freaking Rodgers and a roster that they just had, they had a really good offseason. They landed two sweet pass rushers. They had Devontae Adams. They had a good offensive line. You know, Kevin King started getting better. They had Alexander. They draft Savage. They just, it all kind of came together immediately. It happened with yeah, Sean look- McVay, too. Maybe he's really good right away. Maybe he'll get better, and the fact that they're good enough gives him the time to get as good as he needs to be for maybe when Aaron's not as good and it's got to be more about him. But I would say one thing that was pretty clear early from Kyle, because we had the questions, is he a head coach? Is he a personnel guy? One thing was pretty clear, though. He he did have his fingerprints all over every game, right? Even when they were bad. In a he'd, run, game, he'd run a couple right? sweet plays to get a touchdown from Nick Mullins. You feel like, God, he's competing with Nick Mullins, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I do but think he, another sneaky part of this game. But but he oh, was lucky, if you look back, like that it was so ugly because, as Petten said, their building was basically on fire and they were a laughing stock. That he was going to get some time because, like, if it was going okay and he had like replaced Harbaugh. It would have been pretty ugly. He was lucky he actually came in on a smooth where you could be draft two years in a row in the top ten. Right. Yeah. And I'd say mo- and most of us, hell, me and you were like, I'm telling you, he is a top. If they had a coaching draft, would he make it past the top five? And people would always be like, Well, he's fucking won three total games. And he'd be like, I'm telling you. And finally, you just have this year. But not every. Sometimes when you're a McVay or even a Lafleur, like there's a chance Lafleur, let's say his first three years, he makes the playoffs every year. And you just maybe, you know, every year they get bounced in the first, second round. And he gets an extension, you know. And it's like, well, is he that good? Or do you just inherit Aaron Rodgers? Like, you inherited LeBron, you know. Like, is McVay going to make the playoffs the next two or three years? Maybe not. Well, that's the thing, right? It's like one thing Kyle didn't have to deal with was high expectations. Whereas that is now what McVay, air quotes, brought it on himself. But well, Kyle, his Kyle, credit, Kyle will have the one that raised the bar. He will. But he will have raised the bar. LaFleur didn't even get to raise the bar. The bar's just high. Because he's got Aaron, and we're talking about play calls, and we think Aaron's difficult, and all this stuff, right? You, you could... Uh, yeah. It, it, Who, you don't do this to Aaron Rodgers. You know, that in, kind of in, defen- in defense of LaFleur, it's a hard job. Like, it was... You're right. The expectations are sky high. People were fucking peppering him in OTAs. It's His job was way more intense than McVay's. You agree? But... More intense, but the counter to that would be, but he has clearly, they know what the blueprint for a good football team is, and they gave him one. The Packers. In Green Bay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think Gutekind right might now, be pretty good. Right now, 32 GMs have to choose between Kyle and Sean McVay. Well, I, there's an element of this with GMs because the coach makes more money than you. And if he if you're successful, he becomes more powerful. Like, the Kyle we see with the media is not always, I think, the Kyle that, you know, when the lights are off and he's just in okay, there grinding. Yeah. I think... I think Sean but is... But you know what I'm the, asking. Yeah. I'm just I, saying I if I, I said that before the season, it'd be like, you know, 25-7, Sean. Yes. I think right now, from a coaching perspective, it would be heavily in Kyle's favor. But I think people would be like, well, yeah. is he going to fire me after a year? You know, is he going <laughs> to see all that? But that's just, that's part of, like, that's that's what people were saying about Parcells. That's what people say about Belichick. You know, people forget this. I mean, hell, I didn't know when I was, like, in junior high... By Andy's second year in Philly, their second year, remember their first year he drafts Donovan McNabb. By the second year they're competing for the playoffs, they're like, they realize they kind of have something. He kind of makes a power play and gets the GM booted. Because, like, I think Who's the BYU. The GM? Well, some old, old guy. You wouldn't even, I don't even gotcha. recognize the name. He was like six years old yeah. at the time. And B, the BYU job came open. So his agent, which is also Kyle's and LaFleur's and Gruden's, was good at leveraging a little bit, was like, you know, if he doesn't get a little more juice, you know, the Mormons are calling, John Smith's calling. And then that guy was gone, and Andy never looked back, and he's had a bunch of juice ever since. But, so, just, Kyle's not alone. I mean, coaches like, they like their juice. I mean, we we watched one, and I are recording this Thursday night. I, I root for the guy, but Bill, Bill loves his power. You look Times have changed, though. What what guy is getting leverage over an NFL team by holding an open college job over their head now? It's different that way for sure. I mean, it's but I think their leverage of just you want me, give me the juice. That, yeah, it's yeah. It, just, it, it, the idea that a Mountain West school would take an NFL coach now. <laughs> yeah, t- times have changed. Times have changed. Uh, the other thing I think to watch for Sunday, and I, I just thought of this while we while we while we've been talking is I, I I'd even say. Do you think it'd be unprecedented moving forward? I guess you never say never. A coach leaving the pros to college again? Saban did it in the 2000s. Well, Gr- I do think at the high Gruden, end of college football, Gruden flirted they can with afford it to. with Notre Dame. At the high end of college football, they can't afford to. They can. You're saying like right. a Notre Dame or Alabama can pay to steal them. Right. But I'm saying if you're good enough, I guess Harbaugh did it. Yeah, but Harbaugh didn't really – that was not the same thing. No, because he wasn't pimping himself. Like, he could have got another job in the NFL if he wanted. The Niners weren't begging him to come back. No. If he told the, whoever, like, hey, I'm, oh, it's open season, bidding war, I'll stay in the league, he could have. Yeah. Um, other sneaky thing Sunday, John. I think Al Michaels is going to be really excited for this game. Why do you think that? Well, just because – I think the Niners being good is going to excite him. Like Niners Packers is going to remind him of Favre and Steve Young. You know, like I think he's going to feel like 90s in his body. He's going to feel like 90s Al calling this game. San Francisco is big to him. Like he he's had some of his big moments in the Bay Area. I think he I think he I'm not saying he favors the 49ers like against the Packers, but I think he he favors clearly LA. That's where he lives. But he also favors the Bay Area. He's from the Bay Area. You think he'll drive? Uh, and so the Niners, 
I don't think he'll drive. <laughs> no, Maybe he'll drive. No, he won't. Take the Madden Cruise. But but he's from the Bay Area. I think he really favored. I think he's going to be really excited when we turn this game on on Sunday night. This is. Uh... I'm not saying he's ever not excited, but I think it's going to feel every bit as big as you can imagine. It's going to feel Sunday night football. I mean, it's freaking Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Do you think the Niners are going to win? Um, I don't know. Because I, I really kind of cl- when I close my eyes sometimes, I envision Aaron Rodgers doing just some stupid shit that's like whoa. <laughs> well, you envision the Seahawks game, kind of right from yeah, just a quarterbacking standpoint. Yeah, close it in it. Like Russell made some plays in that game with his arm clearly. That little, the thing that my phone went most viral with just watching all you guys tweet was when he threw the little layup pass, the little looper, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the back of the end zone to Hollister. And everyone's like, oh my, oh my God, was that the great, like, how did he just do that? But he had a couple where he scrambled. To me, that's where Rodgers won't scramble past the line of scrimmage. He'll like keep the play alive and then he'll just throw like this 40 yard rope to Lazard or some guy you've never heard of. Who It was like, how did that just happen? And if the Niners can limit that. Jack Peterson like, will be there? Uh, Yeah, well. Who did the Packers play? He was at one of their games this week. Or no, maybe I, I think saw he's him be there. Yeah, he was at Rams practice. He'll be there. I mean, that's his guy, Devontae. Yeah, but don't you think he grew up a Niner fan? Uh, we yeah, probably you, the answer is probably out there somewhere. I've never seen it. Yeah, you you'd think he not. was, but I, I think Devontae is like his guy. You know, I'd be yeah, they're, sho- they're I'd be shocked. Like Devontae. Did they play the Brewers two years ago in a playoff series or late? Like, Devontae was there. I would be shocked if he's not, not wearing a Devontae jersey, like, on the sideline or something pregame. But, you know, I, I understand it. You know, your loyalty is your friends, not your team. And uh, I like Jock, but I don't know. I, I, I just – I kind of envision the Packers winning this game. How many points? How many points – I, I think it's got to be the over number f- while you're while we're talking. Do you know what the over under is? Well, I clicked on my bookie and it was. I think this. I gotta let him know that I think the site's down. <laughs> By the time this pot is up, hopefully that's not an issue. Yeah, it'll it'll probably be uh probably be I, I don't know. My guess would be like fifty. I think I got it right here. Yeah. So you think you you're thinking like twenty eight points is what it takes to win the game. The Packers, man, they they can score some points. They got, I mean, yeah, I, but I both teams play defense. I know, but the Niners' defense is it's it's different though. Dropping like flies. Yeah, and the it one is. thing that would help the Forty ers out, I was talking with Papa or texting with him, is like Balaga and Bakhtiari, the two tackles for the Packers. They're kind of physical guys. Like speed rushers will give them trouble, and D Ford missing this game which all signs point to is a pretty big loss. Like it's, mm-hmm. you just need D Ford, you know, like you signed him for this, right? For this game, just to give you 15 snaps yeah. and get five pressures on him. And maybe even if you don't sack him, just, you know, maybe cause a pick because you're flying in there and he's getting rid of the ball. Like he, that was a sneaky big loss. Him for this game. Right, because you'd want to be fully equipped with those four guys in a in a twenty twenty game in the fourth quarter, or hell, you're up seven and they got a pass. You're like, here's ninety one, ninety nine, 
55 and 97. Let's fucking go. And not having that guy, it becomes a little like you got to rot- you got to play Solomon a little more. You just got to play lesser guys. I mean, it's D Ford. He's the best part-time player in the NFL. <laughs> You know, it's fifty million dollars. Yeah, fifty million dollars. Yeah. Uh, DH. I mean, you're playing like fifteen snaps a game. By the way, did you see the White Sox signed? Uh, yes, yeah, Monty biggest, Grandall, biggest like, contract in the history of their franchise. And it was like seventy-three or seventy-eight million. I was like, that's the biggest contract in the history of your franchise. That's embarrassing. Is it embarrassing? Kind of yes. is. Huh? Yeah, it is. Yes. The the highest paid player in the history of your franchise is Yasmani Grandal. Because wouldn't you say it's it's also an indication that like have you guys not produced good players in the last twenty years to keep? Yeah, I I don't know. It's just crazy. Well, uh, why do crazy. they always do they so, always trade good players before they get extension eligible? Like what? By the way, I, here's the other offshoot of that. I was watching uh, the Duke Cal game, which I know you were watching some of it on Thursday night, and uh, Dan. Dockage was calling the game. Yeah. And he said that, he's like, you know, Coach K is just always evolving. Like, he always has his finger on the pulse. He's like, I remember we played them in, like, 96 or 97 or something, and one of the assistants called us, even though it was, like, our road game or our home game, and we got to choose the jerseys, and the assistant called and said, we want to wear black. And I was like, why do they want to wear black? Well, it turns out the White Sox black jerseys were the hottest-selling jerseys, like, in sports that year, apparently. This is the Dockage story. And Duke knew that, and so they wanted to wear black because that was just cool at that time, the coolest. So, so Doc has let him. He, he let him wear the black jersey. He didn't, he didn't finish care. that. He didn't tell whether he let him or not. But that was it. Was just the story about Coach K. Anyway, uh, over unders forty eight from what I'm seeing here on ESPN.com. Niners favored by three points. Um, like I actually think that yeah, line. I, I think the line. Should probably be a little higher, like given the Niners are nine and one, they've been pretty consistent. Really? Yeah, to me that number probably should be like at least four. You think it's just See, an I even feel like game? it should be two and a half. You yeah, think the Packers think should, should be, be? I mean, the Niners are at home. I mean, three is maybe exactly right. Just it'd be three if it was in Green Bay, and it'd be pick them if it was neutral. Maybe that's yeah, exactly right. I, I mean, I think that's that feels right to me. Just given that, if if you told me the Niners' defense was healthy, I wouldn't say that. But you put you put any stock in the game last year on Monday night when they played like shit. Remember, and Mullins almost beat them, or maybe it was CJ Beth or no. whoever the hell was playing. <laughs> Just because. Well, I mean, I say they didn't. Pe- they didn't have I the mean, Smith I, brothers. I mean, they were a lot different team. Yeah, but maybe what matters is just that Robert Sala has prepared for Aaron Rodgers before. Was Aaron the quarterback of that game? He was. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that's help. what matters. I don't know. Yeah, but their schemes changed a little bit. I, I they were. I was watching some of the Sala press conference, and this is always a challenge. I think when you play new coaching staffs, you know that you've worked with. He's like, you got to be careful about not overthinking about just conversations you've had with these guys over the years about football <laughs> philosophies. You know, and yeah. just. You are what you are on tape, especially at this point in time in in the season. He's like, you can't – we are what we are. They are kind of are what they are. You can't overthink it. That's what's so hard. That's what Belichick's get back to the Eisenhower quote. Like, you can prepare, and I think Belichick over-prepares. Like, he he would prepare for everything these guys have done the last, like, in their coaching careers. It's got to be really hard right. to be a New England Patriot. But they don't use a lot of that stuff. But they're always ready for it. You know, but, like, how do you prepare for – 
I guess it's different. When you play the Patriots, it's a little bit like playing the Chris Peterson Boise State teams. Like, you know they can bust a trick play at any moment. A double pass, a double reverse. Like, they do that consistently. For the most part, when I just close my eyes and think Aaron Rodgers' teams, now a lot of it's McCarthy, but even watching this year, he's kind of their trick play. And that's a great part about having, like, in all your years of watching Russell Wilson, do you remember them running that many trick plays? You don't really need to when you have Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. because they fucking right. do the extraordinary shit. Well, did like you Tom, see the Patriots ran? Like, did you see one the Patriots ran where Tom threw a double pass? It was like into coverage. It didn't really work last when? week. No, I didn't. It was before the Edelman throw. They ran like a flea flicker, and he's like, didn't so they work. ran. That, see, that's what I would say is the most impressive thing about them. They were they didn't really do anything on offense most of the day. They definitely couldn't get in the end zone because it was like ten nine for a majority of the game until Edelman hit that pass and they got the two point conversion to make it seventeen to nine. They will run trick plays kind of relentlessly to get shit going. Like they just won't run one. I didn't. I I watched the game. I wasn't paying attention. So they ran a flea flicker and a double pass. Like that's you could say like have the 49ers run a trick play really this season i'm not talking like end arounds i'm talking flea flickers and double passes like you could go all season long and run two double passes the patriots will run like three in a game they won't hesitate they'll do whatever it takes to win and that's what i think we got like you know Ky- what? does kyle have any of that shit in his back like to me this is a yeah, kind of i think kitchen sink i think game. pettis is i think pettis is throwing a pass this week john do you believe that uh, I mean, it was just the first thing that came to my mind. Something you, deep from my gut. I don't know why yeah. I think that. But you think Pettis is on the team next year? Mm, I don't think the odds are good. No, I don't either. I bet he gets traded for like conditional seventh. You know, Belichick is basically be is, is Eminem from Eight Mile, B Rabbit, where he like comes out and he just says all the stuff that you were gonna say against him, and then you got <laughs> nothing, and then he's like, Clarence went to Cranbrook. That's a private school. And you're like, fuck. How does he find my biggest weakness and expose me? You know, we get we get Kyle Belichick next year. They play. I was playing golf with my guy Scotty Raber and my brother Jeff. And you know, it shows, sometimes you just with a the fan, they're just on different. They're on a different level than you. They're like, he's like, did you see the schedule next year? I'm like, next year. I'm just fucking trying to make it to the at the time to like the Cardinal game. I'm like, no, I'm trying to think about just, topics. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the opponents. He's like I, NFC and AFC East. And then my mind goes, well, that's actually kind of easy, you know, because the Giants suck, the Redskins suck, Eagles kind of in shambles. You got the Bills; their defense is good. Patriots are sweet. Jets are just whatever, and the Dolphins aren't going to be any good. So I, I was like, God, I look at kind of easy, but you get the Patriots. That game's in New England next year. So what, what we're we talking about, like the fourth hole. But I, it's hard Sometimes for me to go. We big need the fans to go deep. I know they're the, just their minds are in different places. Point. I'm like, God, just trying to see. I'm if watching they can... Fox 11 Sports Wrap after the game. John in LA <laughs> just had a full screen graphic up for 20 seconds that said. It's just a headshot of Philip Rivers, and it says, which will happen first? Philip announces his retirement, plus 120, or his wife is pregnant with baby number 10, minus 160. I, I feel like that up. I feel like he won't really like that type of shit. No wonder he hates L.A. You think he's into like them making fun of him on TV like that? No. Now, granted, he's not in L.A., right? He's at home in San Diego, but I feel like they didn't make fun of him like that in San Diego, don't you, Matt? Like, no chance. 
That's kind of fucked up. Uh, all right. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's like he's taking enough hits here, people. I know. Just, just let him be. He didn't play well. He, started, he threw seven picks in the last two weeks. Just leave him alone. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.